Welcome to Untold Physio Stories, a podcast that informs and educates by connecting you to rehab industry leaders who share their candid successes and failures in business and practice. This episode of Untold Physio Stories is sponsored by Edge Mobility System. Edge Mobility System is your online site for everything a PT, OT, DC, MT, ATC, or fitness pro would need. Get certified in blood flow restriction therapy or training online. Check out our full modern manual therapy seminars, ISTM toolkit, edge suspension trainer, portable tables, and more. Untold Physio Stories listeners can save 10% by going to edgemobsys.com. That's E-D-G-E-M-O-B-S-Y-S.com slash untold to save 10% off their first purchase. Edge Health and Tech Solutions. We do websites that work for you and give you an edge over the competition. Did you know that you have less than 10 seconds to capture someone's interest in your website before they click away? How about the fact that most people are accessing your website from their phone? Save thousands and get a fully mobile, appealing, and SEO-optimized website linked to your social media, email list, and Google My Business. All for one low price and no monthly fees. Why not keep doing what you do best in your business and allow us to handle the tech side? Let's get started. Find us at edgehealthandtech.com. Welcome back to Untold Physio Stories Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Dr. E, with Modern Manual Therapy, Edge Mobility System, The Eclectic Approach, and of course, Untold Physio Stories Podcast. My co-host is... Uh, Dr. Andrew Rothschild with uh, Modern Manual Therapy, Modern Patient Education, and Modern Rehab Mastery. All right. So how's it going today, Andrew? It's going pretty well, Erson. How are you? Um, I'm well, and if... um, if I sound better than Andrew, if I sound louder, we're having a little technical issues again. I'm trying to edit it out and post, but hopefully his story will come through. What do you have for us today, Andrew? Well, hopefully I have an interesting story. Um, it's a patient I have seen off and on uh, for years. He has had multiple back surgeries, ended up having an infection after one of the surgeries, you know, multi-level fusions. He's been one of my favorite patients. He's just, but uh, despite what he's been through, he's always kind of in a positive mood. Uh, just a genuinely just nice guy. I always look, you know, I, I feel bad when I have to see him, but I always look forward to seeing him kind of thing, you know. Um, and he had had, uh, I'd seen him for a rotator cuff surgery most recently. And then just recently, this is, you know, recently is in a couple of years ago. And then I saw him again within the past few months with um he was coming in with right-sided sort of neck and arm symptoms. He had he had had a cervical fusion that I did not treat him for prior um, for symptoms that were on that right side. And he had had it, um, I guess, last in the previous year in 2020 is when he underwent the surgery in the fall. And symptoms were alleviated. And then they started coming back in his arm. And I'm trying to, you know, try and differentiate, is this coming from the neck? Is it coming from the shoulder? Uh, and it did seem like it was actually coming from, referring from the neck. And he responded 
Um, he was, I'm trying to remember what he had a positive Spurlings test. He had some, uh, reduced rotation, uh, towards that right side. He didn't have any myotomal or dermatomal loss, um, other than just, he had more of a referral symptoms, not truly like ridiculous symptoms. And they were kind of diffuse. There were some in the upper arm, lateral arm, some into the forearm, a little bit of tingling in the fingers, you know, sort of, uh, nothing sort of fully connected. But we know even with ridiculous issues, those things can happen. Um, everything, you know, everything else seemed okay. I think traction actually helped alleviate his symptoms. He did have some positive upper limb tension signs on that side. Uh, rotator cuff, shoulder strength seemed, you know, all everything seemed pretty strong in that sense. He may have had a little, I'm trying to remember if he may have had a little bit of triceps weakness, but it was getting, if it was, it was just very mild. It really wasn't anything major, nothing that was jumping out. Um, and really hit a lot of soft tissue sort of tension as well. And even sort of palpating the posterior aspect of his shoulder, reproduce some of his, uh, referral into the arm, kind of how we know, like the posterior rotator cuff can kind of follow a similar sort of like C7, uh, dermatomal referral pattern. And so initial treatment was really just sort of, sort of some positional inhibition stuff, some soft tissue mobilization. Uh, he did respond to just some manual manual traction, um, and really just some very general kind of just cervical movement stuff, staying out of um, provocative movements and, and positions. Um, and then he was getting better. So over the course of a few weeks, he was getting better. Um, and this, I should also mention that this is relevant to the story. He is sort of a lifelong smoker. He's in his uh, sort of late 60s, uh, mid to late 60s. But his smoking, he still smokes, but it's very, you know, compared to what he probably used to do, one to two packs a day, he's just, he's been smoking sort of a, you know, a handful of cigarettes a day. Um, and he had been, he had been dealing with some bronchitis that had been lasting for a little while. And he ended up going in and they, when on a chest x-ray, they noticed a spot on his lung. And then he uh, got a, I think he got MRI, then just to, to, to follow up and see what was going on. And then he was going in for a biopsy. And so, you know, what, when he started talking to me about this, I started thinking about, you know, what other things kind of mimic um, neurological referral that think that can come from the neck, um, but is very common, you know, sometimes can be an issue with smokers. And there's a type of tumor called a pancos tumor uh, that can sometimes develop in the upper lobe of the lung and, and sort of give these, um, can be sort of like a neurological referral into the arm. And so I was kind of concerned if I had missed that. All, however, he had responded, you know, he had symptoms that were provoked with cervical um, positions and, and movements and he, and, and, and he was responding to treatment. So I was concerned, obviously, obviously it is a pancose tumor that does indicate lung cancer. And then that usually is a very bad sign. Um, and I had stopped seeing him cause he was going to get some um, further tests done. It turned out as at first they thought it was maybe benign. Um, it was a benign spot on, from the initial test, but then the further biopsy did reveal he did in fact have um, it was, it was cancerous and he was getting removed. And he also had actually, when he texted me just last week, he also had a pneumothorax. So I don't know what had come from that, but 
it did not appear. Oh, I should also try now that I mentioned before, he also was having some, a lot of chest tenderness and sort of even in sort of the upper, you know, upper bicep, brachial, axillary area, a lot of tenderness as well. And so that, you know, plus obviously having the spot in his lung, he couldn't remember exactly where it was, got me thinking about Pankos tumor. <laughs> and again, one of those things that in a smoker is certainly a differential with that kind of presentation. However, history of shoulder issues, history of cervical uh, fusion just on that side within the past few months, responding to cervical sort of range of motion, overpressure, mechanical, quote unquote, type testing and responding to treatment. Um, one of those things that it didn't, didn't pop up high on the uh, likelihood sort of, you know, um, thought process. And then it turned out, like I said, it was cancerous um, and along with the pneumothorax, but it did not seem like that was actually the cause of his symptoms. Um, it just may have been a coincidental finding. And the fact that he had this bout of bronchitis could have actually been a blessing in disguise that it resulted in workup to identify what was actually going on. Wow. There, there's a lot to take in with this. Yeah. Um, that's, uh, that's, lucky, very fortunate for him that he had this bronchitis. And I wonder from a triggering standpoint, from a recovery standpoint, I've seen people with either bronchitis or pneumonia or even just a really chronic post-nasal drip cough that really prolong their cervical complaints or cervical radiculopathy because they were flexion sensitized and pressure. that yeah. with all yeah with all the pressure and the val continuous valsalva yeah like you can't do enough retractions like sometimes the sneeze also even really sets back like a lumbar um you know radiculopathy who's flexion sensitive so yeah. i usually tell people you know if you know you're gonna have to sneeze try to do it in like a hold yourself in a retracted position try not to let yourself like do a whip, mini whiplash when you sneeze, which is easier than said than done. Um, but I wonder if that had anything to do with it. It's good that he responded to all that stuff. And um, I assume that he is continuously being treated and just responding to cervical treatment then? Yeah. So I haven't been, I haven't seen him now for about a month or so. Um, but he had, he had just texted me that he was going to be coming back in because he was doing a whole lot better. I mean, even after that first day, he had like a 50, 60 percent improvement in symptoms the next time I saw him. And he was definitely getting better over the course of like the three weeks. Like his symptoms really localized, was less frequent, less intense in the arm, these kinds of things. Um, but, yeah, it's a good because I you know, said that it was interesting because his symptoms had resolved following the surgery. And then. I'm trying to remember the timing of when they returned versus when he had had this episode of bronchitis. And I think it was kind of probably around the same time because he wasn't dealing with a lot of coughing or bronchitis issues when I was seeing him. So I think that it happened prior to um, when the symptoms kind of returned. So they probably probably is related um, kind of to what you just talked about and actually something that I really didn't even put together at that moment. And now, now when you're saying, I'm like, of course, it seems so obvious, but I didn't, I didn't even put that together at that time. Um, but yeah, I have to go back and look at my notes to double check uh, from the timing standpoint, but certainly that makes a lot of sense. Um, and then I said, my, my biggest fear was like, oh crap, did I miss 
um, a differential with a pancreas tumor, which again, doesn't necessarily, you know, it, it didn't necessarily slow anything down or make it necessarily difference from a treatment standpoint. But it was also interesting that he was responding to what we were doing, which you would not expect with, with, some, with a sort of a tumor that might have been encroaching upon the, the axilla. Right. Well, not only would you not expect that for a pancreas tumor, but I would almost not expect it for someone with a history of smoking because they typically have uh, poor outcomes, right? Especially with spinal, chronic spinal pain. Right. Um, interesting study that I reviewed um, several years ago, probably maybe even 10 years at this point, they um, looked at a few groups with chronic low back pain, I believe. And the one group had, you know, there was history of smoker, smoking, um, current smokers, and then people who had quit during the study and only the people who actually quit during this people who quit during the study actually showed better improvements in people who actually continued. And of course the people who continued smoking typically had poor worse outcomes than people who were not smokers at all. Um, and I found it interesting too, because it's not like you assume that it has something to do with the overall health and potential comorbidities that a chronic smoker may have. But even the people who quit sometime in the middle of the study still had better outcomes. So I, I thought maybe it had something to do with being more open to change or being able to change or having a um, you know less addictive personality or being more committed to a program potentially. I mean, I, I found that an interesting um, result. Did you ever, did you ever uh, review that study? Are you no, aware of that one? I'm not, I'm not familiar with that one. That's very interesting. And I, I know I've, I've looked at, I've read some stuff before, seen some stuff that looked at, you know, when someone quits smoking, how quickly uh, certain things can re re improve. And it's, you know, it's quicker than you would think. Um, but depending on, on the length of the study, I don't know how much that would make an effect uh, just with that. But I've certainly read studies that look at um, smoking risk. And a lot of times, it has a significant effect on back pain and shoulder pain from the vascular standpoint because of um, the reduction in, in blood flow to those areas that really need it. And that sometimes can be an early you know, shoulder issues and back pain can sometimes be the first sign of people with some cardiovascular disease. Sure. I think this guy is fortunate in several circumstances. I mean, he, he had a history of smoking. He still continues to smoke. Um, but it, maybe, you know, maybe it's his overall positive attitude. Yeah. Because um, he sounds like he does better than than otherwise someone who's in that um, scenario. And, and, you know, for his sake, I mean, he's smoking a lot less than what he probably used to, but still having, you know, years and years of continuous smoking. And I should say my grandmother lived to 94 and she was a smoker probably for like 80 years. And again, like the last 20 years of her life, she only smoked probably three, four cigarettes a day. But... Again, those are one of, that's that's more to the exception rather than the rule. Um, you know, we know that pretty much smoking and like drinking sugared beverages are like the two worst things you could do from your health standpoint. Um, right. And so it's not not advocating that people should smoke still for sure. <laughs> I know there are just some people with good genes, right? Who yeah. could just eat whatever they want. They they smoke their bacon. <laughs> yeah. they put bacon around their cigarettes uh they butter it as well they they wash it down with a coke and they live till they're 100 yeah. but that is the, it is the exception yes all right so where can people find you andrew oh people can find me Urson, you're gonna be so happy people can <laughs> oh no <laughs> what happened i had to, I had to do it. Just, the, I had change it up it just, where's it, the commitment it's getting boring 
You, it's you, not even an April Fool's joke. People can find me at a Rothschild underscore PT. Who's that? I know on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, the good news is that when you switch it, people who are following you don't—they still follow you. It's yes, like nothing changes. Automatic email forwarding. Just gotta you know spice it up every once in a while. It's getting boring. All right. Yeah. Well, you know, we'll see how many times we should count how many times a year this happens. Should, I'd say it's two or three. We should put a poll in the field over under. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Have a good day, Andrew. You too, Orson. Well, you can find me, uh, Dr. E, at Modern Rehab Mastery. That's our new online mentoring program. It includes modern manual therapy, modern patient education, and modern strength training. It's three months with three mentors. So one month with each mentor, four weeks, tons of modules, lots of CEUs, learn at your own pace for a month, then move on. Um, so go beyond the seminar. You also get chat room um, with your mentees and mentors and live Q&As every week. Check out all my products, Edge Mobility System. We have the new Edge ISTM toolbox that includes the Edge Mobility Star and the OG Edge Mobility Tool, our Edge Restriction System BFR cuffs. That's part of Dr. Kyle Coffey's Monastrike Training BFR certificate. Uh, I hope to see you at a live eclectic approach course soon. That's Modern Manual Therapy. Um, in U.S., Canada, and South America. And uh, make sure to rate Untold Physio Stories five stars on Apple Podcasts. You could also subscribe on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. And as always, you guys have an awesome day.